Welcome. You're listening to the podcast of First Church in Woodland, California, Pastor Timothy Wisnett. We're so glad you could join us. And we pray that this message you're listening to today is a blessing to your day. And I want to invite you also to visit us online at firstchurch.app to get connected with us and learn about our service and upcoming events. And uh, we hope that we can connect with you and see you soon. Lord has put something on my heart for tonight, so I just want to read this uh, scripture here from John chapter 3 and verse number 16. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Amen. Why don't you put your Bibles down and help me pray together in this house one last time. Let's ask God to bless this time together in his word. Would you help me pray? Jesus, we ask you to have your way in the rest of this service tonight, Lord, that you'd bless your people and that you would help me to speak your word, Lord, with clarity as you gave it to me, Lord, as you moved on me as I studied this. I pray that you would move on the people in this congregation, Lord, these saints of God. I pray that you would bless our time, our fellowship in the word together. In Jesus' name, everybody say in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give another hand clap of praise. If you are thankful to know that God that loves us. Hallelujah. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Thank you so much. You can be seated in this place. And uh, so first thing I want to bring to your attention is a story that piqued my interest and got me interested in this. And I, I, it has a principle that I want to draw out that I find in the Word of God, but from a, a natural example. And so if you'll bear with me, I want to tell a little bit of a story here uh, to kind of start us off tonight. And it is about this man. Um, and it's actually about uh, an, uh, an interesting thing, uh, an entire football team uh, that was in a very bad situation. And this man who was moved with compassion to help and to save them. And I want to tell you about this. So Richard Stanton is his name. Richard Stanton is a world-renowned cave diver in England, from England. As his hobby, he dives inside of caves. He goes into waters that are very dangerous and decides to do his diving inside of those places. And it so happens that this man, Richard Stanton, is married to a woman who is from Thailand. And specifically, his wife grew up in an area that is near the world-famous Tham Luang Cave in the Chiang Rai province in northern Thailand. And so she grew up next to this very deep cave in this very uh, interesting area uh, in Thailand where it's deep jungle and it has lots of rains. And it has this very deep cave that goes for many, many miles. And this is his wife, the, the wife of a cave diver. Very interesting. Um, on June 23rd, 2018, though, a football team of 12 boys and their coach were trapped after exploring a cave and heavy rains fell. Because of the, the environment in, in this area of the world, these rains can immediately fill that cave completely up. And it's miles and miles long, but it becomes uh, 
you're unable to navigate into this cave. You can't walk into this cave anymore because it just floods completely with the rains. And this happened, and these boys in their coach were rushed into the middle of the cave. You probably heard this story. It was very famous in the news when it happened in 2018. And so, of course, Richard Stanton's wife uh, quickly heard this news and got her husband in contact with the Thai Navy SEALs, all right? And he was eventually brought in to be on site and to help in any way that he could in this country uh, that is not his own. And so the Thai Navy SEALs, interestingly, they had pretty inadequate equipment to see in the murky waters and to be able to dive to this depth and this, this length inside of these caves. And, and their equipment was not well suited to, to do such a dive. And one of them, as they began to try to go into and dive into this cave, one of them actually died on his way into there, a Thai Navy SEAL. And when that happened, several days into this incident, uh, they became very desperate and they began to uh, ask Richard Stanton if he could fly in others that are on his team that he knows, these world-renowned cave divers who do this as a hobby. Hey, can you call your friends and can you bring them in to help with this situation? And so the handmade equipment from this expert hobbyist cave diver became very important. And it, and it almost seemingly was perfect that he had handcrafted it. He had literally uh, welded together his own equipment that he uses on dives in this way, as, as his friends do also. And they explored day after day, but the conditions, they grew worse and worse. They pushed through until they were able to make it as far as uh, a third chamber. They were able to find chambers along the way that were not fully submerged, where there was a little island inside of the middle of this cave uh, very far in. And they made it to this third chamber for the first time. And Richard Stanton, along with many others, uh, as they tried to go even further, they began to lose hope as the, the days went by. But by a miracle, they pushed through, swimming four kilometers or two and a half miles of swimming with equipment like this to find the boys on July 2nd, uh, which was nine days after they had entered the cave. They were on this little piece of land way into a chamber in the middle, two and a half miles into this cave that was basically fully submerged. And all 12 boys were alive, and their coach was alive. They all rushed in, they all ran in, and they found this island. And as big as you see in this picture uh, here, on the screens is, is the space that they lived in for nine days now, and they're hungry. And so because of this miracle, they began to, to devise a plan on what they would do. And uh, after a lot of debate on how they could rescue them, Richard Stanton and his dive team successfully scubaed out each one of these boys and the coach of this team one by one, putting them in scuba gear to go the entire length back to the entrance of the cave while they were sedated. And this was a miracle because if you're not an expert diver, you would not know how to 
make your way back, and you could very likely die on the way. But they devised a plan, and they had this, this miracle way that they, they devised that they were able to save all of them one by one. Uh, after, over several days, they saved all of them just before the rains fell and completely submerged the area that they were trapped in. And it was a total of being in the cave for 15 to 17 days because it took them the two days that these boys were trapped inside of a cave. And so I, I want to I preach. I'm probably going to do a little bit of teaching as well. But I, I want to I ask us this thought. I, I know that's, you're like, wow, that's a cool story. I didn't come to church to hear an interesting story. Uh, this is them a few years after they, they you know, reconvened and, and celebrated on the anniversary that they survived the cave. Praise God. But I want to preach to us on this thought tonight, which is how far will you go? How far will you go? Emphasis on the you. How far will you go? How far is too far for you personally? This man in this story, interestingly, he, uh, he was not born here. He was not raised here. He did this as a hobby. But if you watch this documentary or you read his book on this, on this subject, he says the moment that he saw their faces for the first time and they made it to that chamber and they saw these boys there, he said something clicked in him. He was losing hope before he saw them, but for obvious reasons, because they didn't know if they were even alive at all. But he said the moment that he saw them in there, he, they had a determination. Something changed in them that they said, we have got to find a way to get them home. These, these boys are worth us risking our lives for because their life is important. Every life is important. You may have seen in the news that when this was going on, the entire world went to northern Thailand, and they brought in pumps. And by the thousands and thousands of gallons, they were trying to get the water out of the cave. There were thousands, not just this one man, but thousands of people who just were there trying to do everything that they could to save these 12 in their coach, these 13 people, these 13 lives were worth it to some people to sacrifice for. And so I want to ask us here tonight, do we understand the gravity of eternity? Do we understand the impact of eternity? Do we really understand that in our everyday life? That eternity is going to be forever. And there is a destination that we will go at the end of eternity, at the end of our life here and into eternity. There is a place where our soul will finally rest. Do we have that passion and compassion inside of us to see others in need? Amen? Do we have something in us that's bothered when we see people hurting and we see people lost and we see people trapped? Amen? Is there something that stirs inside of us when we see the look that's on their face, the look of depression, the look of, 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 of just sadness, of just 
a discontentment of being bound, of, of having addiction, of having shame, when we see that look on their face, are we moved with compassion? For the scripture tells us that he, wherever he went, was moved with compassion. When he saw the people and he saw them in, in their need, Jesus was moved with compassion. The Bible tells us in John chapter 4 that, that Jesus, he made a detour and he left Judea and he departed to go to Galilee, but he went through Samaria. And the scripture says that he must needs go to Samaria. He had something that was pulling him to there. And it was that he would meet a woman at the well who didn't have everything together. He wasn't meeting a dignitary. He wasn't meeting a ruler. But he was meeting a woman with a broken life. Because he had to make an impact on her. Because he saw her already from where he was. And in the same way, our Lord, he sees us where we are. And he decided to come to this earth and die on a cross because he loved us that much. And he wanted to find us that much. He wanted to find us. He sought after us and he willingly decided to come and to be rejected and to feel the pain of Calvary so that we could be saved. Isaiah 53 says that he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Our Lord, the King, the God in heaven who spoke all of this world into existence chose to have pain, chose to have grief for us. For it says, surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. You know, there's got to come a point where it's just not all about us. I know I'm not preaching a, a popular message here tonight, and uh, I, I celebrate for what he did for me. By his stripes, we are healed. Hallelujah. He bore my sorrows. He bore my grief. He carried it all to the cross so that I could be free. He carried it so I could have peace. But there was a price to be paid, friend of mine. There was a cost to Calvary. And he was willing to go the distance for us. He was willing to go all the way for us. He was willing to feel every bit of that pain and go to the slaughter for us. How far will you go in 2022? I hope I'm challenging somebody here tonight. I didn't come to make us feel good. I came to push us a little bit. Paul wrote to the Philippian church in Philippians chapter 2. He told them, he said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ. 
who thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but took on the form of a servant. When we say put this mind in you, what the message Paul was trying to say was that Jesus chose not only to be God, because he is absolutely God. He was absolutely God even when he was here on earth. But he chose to be more than that. He chose to be a servant, and that's why he says in that passage, he says, look not each man just on his own things, but look on others' things. It's not all about you. Paul was trying to teach them. Jesus came as a servant for us. And so in the same way, the church ought to look out for one another. The church ought to care about one another. I care what you're going through, my brother. I care what you're going through, my sister. I care what's going on in your life. And I'm here to carry your burdens also. And I'm looking for somebody that I can reach and that I can impact and that I can bear their sorrows. I feel the Lord calling us tonight to a deeper commitment that is more than just us being in his family, but it's us growing his family. It's us being fruitful, like he said, when we're attached to the vine. That's our purpose. Our purpose is to grow fruit and to be productive, and it happens through us being just like Jesus. We've got to be like him. We've got to reach like he reaches. We've got to love like he loves. If we're going to be the church that they intended, that Jesus intended for us to have built in the 21st century, it's going to happen from us being like the book of Acts. For they loved without limits. They went all the way. They went all the way to the depths They went as far as they possibly could. Look at the maps in your Bible. Without any reliable form of transportation, they went to the ends of the earth. That ought to convict us tonight. That ought to convict us as a Christian that they went to the ends of the earth with such limited technology. They decided that they were going to reach and they decided that they were going to serve. Amen. I'm talking about a book of Acts church. That's what we look like. That's who we claim to be. We claim to be an apostolic church. And if we're going to be an apostolic church, it's going to take some effort. It's going to take some reaching. And it's going to take some going the distance and going and pushing further. I'm preaching to myself even here tonight. We've got to reach further. We've got to go deeper. We've got to give more. We've got to see greater revival. And it's only going to happen when the saints of God get a fire inside of them. They ought to have a burden inside of them that I'm going to impact my community. I'm going to be somebody in this community in God. Through God, hallelujah, not through the world's ways, not even for any recognition, 
because it's not about any of that. But it's so we can find somebody. It ought to move us with compassion when we see people who are hurting. It ought to put something inside of us. It ought to bother us. It ought to keep us up at night that, hey, I I met somebody today and I just didn't share the gospel with them. It ought to to burden us. It ought to, to bother us when we don't see the results. We don't see the fruit. Because I don't know about you, but I'm hungry for it. Hallelujah. And I know he's not going to always bring it, but I'm always going to be ready. A book of Acts church was ready. They were a ready church to go the distance. In Acts chapter number 8, the scripture tells us that Philip, he was just doing his thing. He was just being a preacher of the gospel. And the Bible says that the angel of the Lord spoke to Philip and said, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is the desert. I find it interesting that in your Bible it says, Hey, I am leading you this way, Philip, and by the way, it's the desert, guys. I feel like that's a kind of a side note for the reader. I'm, I'm sorry, I just read the Bible different. I, I feel like that, that the angel was saying, hey, go down to Gaza, which it's the de- desert for you readers who are going to see this later. Because he knows it's the desert. But I didn't know it's the desert. He's in Jerusalem, and the Lord speaks to him. The Lord is speaking, even now. But are we listening? Are we hearing his voice? Because it wasn't long that he met this this person who needed to hear the gospel. And the Spirit, the Bible says in Acts 8 and 29, Then the Spirit said unto Philip, Go near and join thyself to the chariot. He heard the voice of God again. That's the one. They're just on the highway. This is the highway of this time. They didn't, they didn't have no, you know, Ram 1500 or Teslas or whatever, you know, you drive. This is the chariot, you know, Model S, okay? They're just on the highway, and the Spirit of the Lord speaks to Philip and says, Go, knock on the door of this chariot. And guess what? He found somebody reading the Bible. Wow! From Isaiah, the very scripture I read into your hearing. And he began to preach the gospel to him, and he got baptized. It can happen just like that even today. But how far will you go? Will you go to the desert? Amen? Will you hear the voice of God and say, yes, Lord, I will go to the desert. I will go. I will do, and I will reach who you want me to reach. I will be your voice, Lord. You can speak through me. Amen? We got to think this way. We got to change our thinking a little bit. I don't know about you, but I feel an urgency tonight. I've got to go a little further. It's just a little further. It's just around the corner. It's just around the corner that I can see my family member being saved. It's just a little more, t- it's just a few more times of calling their name in prayer. 
Do you realize what's been happening as we have began to petition the Lord and follow this prayer? We've been praying the heart prayer. We've been seeking God for people, and they're coming in the doors. I feel like the prophet who said, hey, strike these arrows. Every time you strike, there's going to be deliverance. I feel like that prophet here tonight who, who told the king this. And, and so what did he do? He just struck three times, and the prophet was wroth with him. Because he said, you should have done more than three. You should have done some more. How far will you go? How many times will you strike? How many times will you call their name in prayer? How many times will you fast for them? How many times will you seek the Lord? I'm talking to a church that needs to have a revelation of intercessory prayer. If we learn to intercede for the lost, I'm telling you that heaven will fall on this earth and that this town will see many saved and that this town will see miracles of God. I still believe cancer can be healed from the power of the name of Jesus. I still believe that the, the, the prayer of a righteous man, that it avails much. Amen. If we keep striking the ground because we have the revelation, we understand the gospel, we understand its entirety. I believe if the people of God will just seek him, we can see it happen. But how far will you go? I don't know about you, but I'm not giving up. I'm not giving up. I've just seen too much for him to convince me otherwise. I'm not backing down. I'm not giving up no matter what comes my way. I'm just going to keep pressing. I'm just going to keep I'm just going to keep on swimming. I'm just going to keep swimming. I'm just going to keep on going deeper and further and further. And I don't know about you, but I want this whole church to be praying intercessory prayer. Because there's just no telling who's going to get the Holy Ghost this Sunday. There's just no telling who's going to get baptized this Sunday. There's just no telling who's going to be delivered from their addiction this Sunday. I had a chance this week to spend some time with a backslider of our church. And I'm not going to tell you their name because I don't, I don't want you to be like, well, he was preaching about you, you know, if you see him too. But just to see the life that he's living and just to see the depression that he has. I could see, I, I, could, I could almost, I, I don't know if it was spiritual or if it was just that he is, has depression. But I, I'm just going to say this to just say the, to use the expression, but I could see the demons that he lived with. I, and I use that just as an expression. I hope you understand me. I'm not, I'm not saying he did have demons. I'm just saying 
I could see that there are some things that are so wrong in his life. It's upside down right now. And I began to think there's just so many people that live like that. I don't know about you, but when I go to my altar and I seek the Lord and I uh, read my Bible, usually in the morning time, I, I read my Bible. He gives me such joy. He gives me such hope. There is hope. There is love in our, the arms of our Savior. You see it happen when people come into this house and they begin to worship the Lord. Their praise is so beautiful because there's freedom in this house. There's liberty in this house. Every chain is broken. I've seen it happen. You've seen it happen too. They walk in the doors, and the moment they walk in the doors, they lift their hands, and they begin to cry and repent before God. Just as they walk in the doors, it's because that's how good our God is, and yet... There's so many who never know that. There's too many who have never seen that. There's too many trapped in a dark place. And yet here we are living in the light. Here we are just, just having light all around us and in us. Matthew says this, let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Have we considered that scripture? That we sometimes bottle up what's inside of us. But if we would just go a little further, if we would just reach a little further, if we would just let that light out that God put in us, you don't know what kind of impact you're going to make. You don't know how refreshing that would be to them. You don't know what kind of safety they would feel. When they, when they went into this cave for the first time, they brought with them blankets. And they covered and they fed those boys way in the middle of that, that cave. While they devised the plan. I feel like that's what we are. We're sometimes refreshing to people that are lost. And once they get a taste, they can't help but come. They can't help but say, I've got to be a part. I have got to have this light inside of me. I have got to have what you have. Have you ever heard somebody tell you that? I've heard it. I've heard it for years. And I, and I think, you know what? I'm not exactly the most like positive person on the planet. <laughs> I'm sometimes not. But it's the Holy Ghost in you. It's not anything that you are. It's not charisma that you naturally have. I'm not, tell, I'm not trying to tell you, church, to be somebody you're not. If God made you shy, then just be yourself. But I promise you, if you'll be yourself plus the Holy Ghost, that's when we can begin to make an impact. 
that's when people begin to see that there's a difference in them. That's when they begin to feel God. They feel God through us because we are his children. And when we walk in his spirit, we're his children. And because of that, we make an impact on this world. You're the salt of the earth. You're the salt of the earth. Just as God made you. Just as you are. You are the salt of the earth. And if the salt, if it has its flavor, it makes a difference. Amen. I don't know about you, but I want my salt to be salty. I want to be salty. I want people to see and I want them to taste when they're around me. Hallelujah. I know we got stuff going on in life. I know we've got our world that we live in and our circle of friends that we live in. But there are people who are trapped and they need you. Let them in. Bring them in. Bring them into the family of God. You're the hands of the church. If we're the body of Christ, it can't just be the ministry team that's the hands. I know this sounds self-serving because it's because it's, it's me talking. But if I'm the only hands, or pastor is the only hands, there's only so much he could touch. But we, it's all got to work together. We all got to do our part. Amen. To find somebody, to be a light to our world. We've got to change how we think. We've got to change how we think. We have got to have the right mind. Give us this mind, which was also in Christ. I hope you're hearing me tonight. I hope I'm making sense here in this place. Brother Matt, if you would come and give them hope. I probably taught already too long. Look at somebody and say, how far will you go? This is my city. This is my community. And this is your community. This is your city. And as long as we just spend time in our little world and just, just live in our lives, we walk by people who need this. Let me ask you this what do you pray when you're tempted? What do you pray when you're threatened? For the scripture says in Acts chapter 4 and verse 29 that Peter and John, they were threatened for preaching the gospel. And what was their prayer when they got out of the hands of these that were beating them and threatening them? They said this, Acts 4 and 29, they said, And now, Lord, Behold their threatenings and grant unto thy servants. Somebody say servants. That's who we are. That with all boldness 
they may speak thy word. Peter and John, apostles, they considered themselves servants. But their prayer wasn't, Lord, get me out of this. Lord, bail me out. I know you heard this all your life, especially in the, in the Pentecostal church. You've heard this. They said, they prayed, they asked God. They said, God, there's something we need. Boldness. That's what they asked for. They just asked for boldness. They didn't ask for money. They didn't ask for a better night of sleep. Praise God, that'd be nice. You know, getting older, can't sleep for some reason. You know, They didn't ask for none of that. They just asked for boldness. Because they saw a world in need. Am I preaching in an apostolic church? This is the apostolic church. They prayed for boldness. God, give me boldness so that I can preach your gospel. So I can reach my world. That's a missions-minded church that was in the book of Acts. I believe we can be that today. Amen. For the Bible says that when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the word of God with boldness. The Holy Ghost fell on them. They literally prayed, God, give me boldness. And it fell on them. And when it fell on them, all of a sudden they had a boldness. Can, can I be honest with you? I, I think that's a miracle. In fact, I, I think it's a miracle for myself to stand before you and to proclaim the word of God. I, I, I got to be honest with you. Some of you know me a long time. God has changed me. And I believe that he can change all of us. He could put boldness on us to just go a little further. How far will you go? How long will you pray? How long will you make friends with somebody that you don't know? How long will you reach the lost? Amen. Whenever they were beaten, whenever they were told to stop doing this, the scripture says that they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. That's boldness. That's what they had. And daily in the temple and in every house, they ceased not to teach and preach Jesus. I know this, this is a little different tonight. I know I'm probably making you a little uncomfortable. But let's stand to our feet. Amen. And I promise I'll get you out of here. We can get some cupcakes. I hope you guys love me. I hope so anyways. They just had a burden and a passion 
to keep on going. Perhaps that's why they were called them that have turned the world upside down. That's what they were called. Amen. Can we lift our hands together? And let's just call on the name of the Lord together. Let's just pray in this house right where you are for a moment and let's ask God to have his way. I don't know about you, but I've just determined to keep reaching, keep pushing, keep praying. Amen. Some of you are called to intercession prayer. Hallelujah. I believe we've lost that as an art in the apostolic church. Some of you need to seek God. Some of you need to pray that that boldness would be on you to speak the word of God. Hallelujah. There's people that are in your life right now. I believe that they're ready, that God is making them ready. But are we ready to hear the voice of God? Oh, Jesus. Help me to hear your voice. Help me to be a Philip and hear your voice. Oh, Jesus, help me to have the same love you have. Help us to have the same love you have. That would suffer shame. That would bear our grief and sorrow. That would even bear our pain. Lord, make us like the good Samaritan. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. For whoever has felt this tonight, I want to open up this altar for a time of prayer. You can come down to this front. Find a place to pray. And let's pray together and ask God to fill us with boldness. Some of you need to pray over our city right now. In the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Oh God, we trust you. Trust you alone, Lord. Oh God, I want to go further, Lord. Oh, I want to see you pour out revival on this city. I want to, I want you to do it through my life, Lord. In the name of Jesus, pour it out on our city, Lord. Pour it out on our families, oh God. Thanks again for joining us for this podcast. It's such an honor that we could have you, and we pray you were blessed by the word today. We want to stay connected with you, and so give us a follow on our social media pages on Facebook or Instagram. You can find all of those on our website at firstchurch.app. You can also stay connected with us through that uh, website, and you can download it as an app on your phone from there. And so until the next time, we pray you're blessed. Have a great week in Jesus' name.